This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What I've done is help athletes be the best they can be. We work on giving you that winning edge, that mental edge that will help you realize your potential. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for over 30 years as a sports psychologist. This is the first time I've ever listened to it. I'm on my way to church, and I said, i got to pull over and talk. Right now is your chance to call Dr. Jacobs for free help with any sports-related problem. It's a wonderful form, and I, it must be a radio for me every time I, I'm in the chance to. This show is about you. It's about having fun, working hard, building self-confidence, having the right attitude, being a good teammate, being a good parent, and being a good cook. Now, here's the sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and we're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. It is a cold, snowy morning in Kansas City today. And along with my producer, Rudy Salazar, who is wide awake, excited to be here with his University of Kentucky sweatshirt on, I am here to talk with you about the mental side of sports. As you know, I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 a.m., and we get into topics on this show about your mind, about your attitude, about your focus, about your preparation, about sportsmanship. We talk about the mental side of sports on this show. We talk about something that most people don't get into that much on other shows. And our show is fueled by our discussions, by the conversations we have as we talk about how to be the best you can be. I have been here, last week was the beginning of my 17th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. It is my 27th year on radio here in Kansas City. Hard to imagine I've been on the radio for 27 straight years, but I have. And uh, thoroughly enjoy doing this show with you every week. Because the purpose of this show is to help you out, to assist you at getting better at what you do as a coach, as an athlete, as a person, and hopefully people take the information we share on this show and utilize it. You know, our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. You just go to the uh, website, click on additional programming on podcasts, and you'll find us. And you can also find my show on my website, which is winnersunlimited.com. Click on the podcast button, and you'll find the shows there. So hopefully you can uh, replay them for people who could benefit from hearing what we talk about on this show. As I said, I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8. It's my 27th year on radio, 17th straight here at Sports Radio 810. It is my 37th year working as a sports psychologist. And I've had the privilege to work with so many great people, so many interesting people over my 37 years doing this work. And perhaps one of the most interesting things that I've dealt with throughout my career is working with people about mindsets and attitudes. You know, last week we had a show prepared about this, but being that the Chiefs had lost in the playoffs the night before, we talked about fan reaction to the Chiefs losing and how they dealt with that. And I had a number of comments over the week from people who heard the show were were actually glad we talked about that. But I want to get into this. I want to talk about how you coach the mental part of sport. Okay? What is what is the mental part of sport? How do you define it? How do you coach it? How do you deal with it? You know, if you sit down and think about it, 
And I, I have shared this quote that my uh, cousin and my uncle told me years ago. Sports is the greatest theater in the world. Everyone knows their part, but no one knows what will happen. And I don't think anything could be more straightforward than that. I honestly believe that. It is, it is so true that you can be prepared physically, mentally, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, but that is not a guarantee that you will succeed. There are no guarantees in sports. If you're a Chiefs fan, you know that. If you're a sports fan, you know that. And so what I'd like to get into today is how you as a coach deal with the mental part. How do you coach it? How do you coach attitudes? You know, there have been hundreds of books written about developing a positive attitude. You know, Dale Carnegie has, the, you know, the program for years. There's so many different programs. There's so many different people who speak about attitudes. You know, how your mind plays a role. Tony Robbins has made millions of dollars speaking about this. But what is a positive attitude? What is a positive mindset? And how do you make it work for you? I think it starts with a lot of things. I think it starts with, as a coach, getting to understand your athlete, getting to understand the, the people you're working with, getting to understand what their goals are, getting to understand how they function, getting to know them as a person. You know, you watch sporting events. You watch people under pressure. You watch great athletes who perform under pressure and how they how they deal with it. Let's take last night, for example, New England blew out Tennessee, which was pretty well expected by most people in the NFL playoffs. And you have a guy like Tom Brady who has been in these situations time and time and time again. So the pressure for him is not something that's unusual. It's part of what he does. He's learned to deal with it, to handle it, to expect it. And so it's not something that he gets anxious about. I'm sure before a big game, like next week in the AFC Championship game in New England, he'll be nervous whether they play Pittsburgh or Jacksonville. But he'll challenge that and he'll channel that feeling into something positive. He's learned how to do that. But look, that, that that's a Hall of Fame quarterback. But you're coaching kids. You may be coaching youth sports. You may be coaching high school kids. You may be coaching college kids or professionals. We've had professional coaches call the show. I've had a lot of ex-professional athletes call the show. So I want to find out from you, if you're a coach, how do you coach the mental part of your sport? You know, if you're a basketball coach, you design plays. You, you coach kids how to be in position. You teach them about fundamentals. You teach them how to shoot, how to, how to, what their footwork should be like, where they should be on defense, how they should guard, where their arms should be. But how do you coach the mental part? I want to open up our phone lines and let's start some conversations here this morning. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Our number is 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. I know it's early. I know it's snowing outside. But let's get some calls. Let's get some calls in here. I want to find out from you how you coach the mental part of your sport. What do you teach your athletes? What do you tell your athletes? What do you work with them on? 
Do you spend time working on the attitude part? Do you spend time working on their confidence? Do you spend time working on being positive? Or do you just expect them to be that way? Once again, our phone number is 913-3810-810. You know, normally on this show, the last 15 minutes we get loaded up with calls and we're pretty open right now. So let's get some calls in here. I want to hear from you if you're a coach. I know it's early. I know a lot of people are just getting up. But I want to find out from you, how do you coach mindsets? How do you teach an athlete, allow an athlete to be more focused, more positive, more confident with themselves? What do you do as a coach to allow them to get better? Or do you just expect that's something that they should have? Is that something that you really feel you can teach? Or is it something you're not sure about? 913-3810-810 is our number. You know, to me, coaches have to be psychologists. You have to analyze, you have to interpret, you have to figure things out. And the athletes you coach, you know, you, you can have, you know, I, I, I was privileged for years to work with the Royals. And back in 1990, I got to know Bo Jackson, arguably the, the most talented physical athlete of modern times. And uh, I got to see him in action every day that year, and he did some incredible things. But he and I would talk about a lot of things about life and about people. And you know what? The mental part for him was a big, big piece of what he did. It was a big piece of his success. The mental part for him, as physically talented as he was, he used to tell me, Doc, he goes, yeah, my body is, is probably better than most guys. But I think I'm stronger mentally. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think I'm stronger mentally than most people because I've been in a lot of these situations and I understand it. You know, maybe the best athlete of modern times talking to me about how important his mind was. And believe me, he had a strong mind. He was a very bright guy. All right, 913-3810-810 is our number. How do you coach the mental part of sport? We have our first call of the morning. Let's see what Tom has to say. Tom, sir, thank you for calling in. How are you today? I'm doing quite well. Thank you, doctor, for taking my call. You're welcome. What, what's I'm your opinion key. on what we're talking about here? I think it's actually key. Uh, the funny thing is it's our secret weapon uh, is using our mind because we're an undersized basketball team, and it, um, it helped out in my uh, sports career when I was doing sports, um, and it's uh, helped out with us uh, last year, uh, two years ago, and this year it hasn't kicked in yet but it's because uh, we have a new team. But once they wrap their mind around the fact that they have the belief that they can do and achieve, uh, then they will be able to do pretty much anything. And that's uh, right now what the experience we're having is with the, the fight and the belief and the, you know, doing what they need to do, uh, you know, to win basketball games and to really believe in each other and trust in each other instead of, you know, I'm going to do it myself because I got this skill. No. Uh, we're a team, and if you do what you're supposed to do, and then trust and rely on your brothers, then you know we will uh, we'll have success together. How old are the kids you coach? Uh, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. We have one that just turned fourteen. The others are thirteen and twelve. Okay, so what do you teach them? How do you teach them? What do you say to them to get them to be in the right place mentally? Um, I basically I take them back to a time where they had. Uh, really won and performed really, really well. 
And um, once they have gone to that place mentally, I then ask them, hey, well, what happened? And, and then how'd that feel? And then I said, hey, would you like to have that feeling again? And generally the answer always to that is yes. They've, they've, you know, we've, we've had a dialogue by then. And I do that with each individual one because uh, they might have some story that might be personal. They don't want the other guys to hear because they're 13, you know. But um, long story short, it's been one of those things that help them connect really with the team and say, I want you to trust that I'm talking to everybody on your team. Your brothers want you to have that same feeling. They have a similar feeling they're trying to get to, but they can't do it without your help. And that's what I say. And I said, hey, can we trust and rely on you to try to bring that to your brothers like they're trying to bring it to you? What would be your – let me ask this question. What would be your definition of failure? My definition of failure would be to uh, not believe in your teammates and to do it on your own and, uh, you know, divided. We are conquered. You know, try to do it on your own. We have a couple guys that have some unusually good skills. Uh, and we would, you know, just shoot the ball to one of those two guys whose names I'm not going to mention. Um, and instead of trusting and doing what you're supposed to do, setting the picture you're supposed to do, doing the screens, using the plays you've done, uh, keeping up the drills, keeping the calisthenics up, and shooting the shots or and or uh, blocks you're supposed to, to pull off, and then your play that's going to get you, because each one of them has a play that they can, they can uh, score on themselves. And so not um, you know, not following the plan, I think, would be the only thing that's failure. When you're coaching kids, how much of a role do you find their parents play in what's going on, and how do you deal with parents who are probably not the most positive people around? Right. That. Thank you. And that's a really good question. Um, uh, the parents play a huge role. Parents are, are colossal. Um, you know, with me, I'm only going to have them for a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, so yeah, it's, the parents are a bigger, much bigger role than, than I'll, I'll ever play. But, um, so do you coach, so Tom, do you coach the parents? Well, we or do, do you, re, do you refrain have, from doing that? We, we, we kind of are, but in more of a subtle way, we're asking the parents to allow us, we want them to obviously have the dialogue with their own son that they, that they have, but we're asking them to, uh, you know, trust and rely on our coach. Uh, our main head coach, because he, he's a kind of a big guy. He looks, uh, if you know KU, because I'm, I'm a KU graduate, he, he looks like Mangino, except for he's uh, a basketball coach. You know, so he's, he's oversized, but he has the skills, and he's taken gentlemen before to championships and coaches up teams going with him uh, through the years. So this is a, a really awesome opportunity, and several of them now have understood that, oh, my God, this is what he's trying to do with us. Yeah, we're in. But, you know, everybody's on that same page yet, but we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. What has been the biggest barrier you have had to deal with as a coach? I, I think the biggest barrier is that, um, you know, I'm new to this, to this group. Um, many of them have played together to, on a football team. My son does not play football. He plays soccer. Um, and uh, my biggest barrier is just familiarity with, with each individual player because some of us are new and there's a hodgepodge of teams where a lot of them come from Kansas City, Missouri. I do not. And, and, uh, nor does my son. And so we, um, we're joining this group and, uh, you know, how we fit in is really, uh, the main thing and how each person fits in with a, a hodgepodge team. A lot of teams just either come from Lee Summit or Kansas City or Blue Springs or something. And we are like a conglomerate of teams, uh, you know, to get a, a you know, from different areas. 
And so uh, I think that's really kind of the biggest issue is there's some cultural differences in there. But um, I think that uh, with this past weekend, I see I saw a bit of a breakthrough, and I'm, I'm extremely uh, encouraged by that. Well, listen, sir, I want to thank you for calling in this morning. Great comments and, and good luck coaching, and hopefully some of the things we talk about here can help you out. Bless you. Thank you so much, Doctor. I will listen off the radio, and I've enjoyed you for a long time. Thank you, okay, sir. thank you very much. All right, great call. That frees up our lines here at 913-3810-810. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Here is our topic today. How do you coach mindsets? What is the type of mindset you want to coach as an athlete? What do you want to be coached on? As a coach, how do you coach the mental part of sport? See, to me, as a sports psychologist with 37 years of experience having worked with all levels of sport, what I have seen is that the really good coaches take time to coach the mental part. And what do I mean by that is they take the time to sit down and talk to their team as a group, talk to their athletes individually about their confidence, about how they feel, about how they're doing as a person. They want to get to know them. You know, how's life? How, how's everything going? They want to know all these things. And consequently, by doing that, okay, they will find things out about what makes that person tick, what turns them on, what turns them off. And I think it's so important as a coach to be able to look into the mind of your athlete. Get to know them as a person. Everybody comes from a different perspective. Everybody is raised differently. When you have a group of 12-year-olds on a basketball team or a soccer team or a softball team, they're all coming from different places. Now, they're on the team to play, to have fun, to get better, and obviously they want to win too. If you listen to our show, you know that I think winning is a secondary result of everything else. It's what do you learn about yourself. And so to me, the mental part, the mindset, plays such a key role here. Our number is 913-3810-810. How do you coach your team mentally? What do you talk to them about? You know, I, I encourage coaches to take a practice session during the week and don't put the uniforms on, don't get the balls out, don't get the bats out, the gloves, the cleats. Take some time to talk. Take some time to share. Take some, sit in a group and talk. Get your kids together in a group. And I know a lot of people think this is ridiculous, but if you think it's ridiculous, I don't think you have an open mind. Get your kids together and say, let's talk about pressure today. Billy, what's pressure to you? Steve, what's pressure to you? Jerron, what's pressure to you? How do you handle it? What's it make you feel like? Let's talk about it. And you know what? If you sit down and talk to those kids, Heather, how do you handle pressure? Mary, what happens when you feel uptight? Tiani, what do you do when the pressure is on? You will find by sharing that and talking about it, it will open their minds up to dealing with it better. 913-3810-810 is the number I want to hear from you. How do you coach the mental part of sport? Let's go back to the phones. Let's see what Mike has to say. Mike, good morning, sir. Thanks for calling in. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for calling in. What, what are your thoughts about what we're talking about today? Well, you know, when you when you talk about attitude, the, the one thing that I uh, tried to coach the most, and I coached it collegially, um, and the thing that I tried to coach the what most. What sport do you coach, Mike? Ba- basketball, I'm sorry, men's, okay. men's basketball. And the one thing that I tried to, to coach was 
the resiliency, the toughness, the uh, not accepting uh, defeat, and not defeat by the result of the game, but the defeat of, of individual plays. Uh, I, I want kids playing through that play. There's nothing more frustrating than when a kid that turns the ball over is the last kid back down the floor. And that type of resiliency will will carry kids through tre- tremendous seasons of basketball, but, it'll, but it's a great life skill. And that was a, the biggest thing I wanted I wanted to coach. And, and the, the, the positive part, I think, is that they start to see some reward with it. You know, uh, I had a team actually come back from a 27-point deficit. Um, and it was when I said, uh, I told my sports information director, I said, we have a basketball team now. And because they had no clue about what the brain, the mechanical brain set up there. I mean, they, they knew they were losing. And, but it was, it was the effort stuff. They just kept fighting and kept fighting. And most teams won't do that. We, could, we actually came back, uh, cut it to two, ended up losing the game. Uh, we lost by five. But I said at that point, uh, you could see the players were just not going to allow each individual play to dictate whether or not uh, they were winning or losing. They were going to com- continue to compete each possession. And, th- and that's a, I think that's just a huge lesson. Are you still coaching now? I am not. I am not. I coached for uh, a little bit over a decade and, and uh, started a family and didn't want to travel and recruit. What level were you coaching at? Uh, NAI and JUCO. Okay, let me ask this question. When you had an athlete who turned the a, 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 a guy turns the ball over, okay, because I, I, I've worked with many teams and I once saw a coach, if a guy turned the ball over, yanked him out and yelled at him. And a lot of times the, there was one game the game starts, get the ball, get the tip, point guard has the ball, and he passes the ball, bounce passes the ball to a guy who cuts the wrong way. Coach threw his clipboard down, yanked the guy out, didn't put him in again for the whole first half. And, you know, I was just watching this, and at halftime the coach would always come over and ask me his my opinion of what he did. And I said, well, you took so-and-so out after, well, he shouldn't have thrown that ball away. I said, coach, I don't think he threw it away on purpose. And he thought right. the guy was going to cut that way. And then you had him sit on the bench the whole half, and I've been watching him. He's just been pissed off and brooding the whole time. And he looked at me. He goes, oh, my God, I didn't realize that. So he went over and took this young man aside because I, I respected this guy a lot. He took this young man aside, put his arm around him, talked with him. And then, you know what, the second half, this guy scored 20-something points. And after the game, he knew I talked to the coach. He came over to me and says, Doc, I know you talked to him. Thank you. He goes, it still ticks me off what he did to me, and I wanted to show him up in the second half to prove he was wrong. And I said, well, you know what? You guys need to have a meeting this week before the next game. That was on a Friday night, and the next game was on a Tuesday. I said, you guys need to pr- have a conversation and practice and work this out because you're going to turn the ball over because you're a point guard. I mean, what point guard doesn't turn the ball over? And you've got to be on the same page with him. If he's going to be ticked off for you for turning the ball over and you're scared to turn the ball over, how are you going to play? What are your thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, you know, I I rarely ever got upset with with kids for physical errors. Um, you're going to have those things. You're you're going to have miscommunications on the floor, and you're going to have turnovers. You're going to have fouls, uh, those types of things. Um, my the, my kind of trigger point was the effort uh, was the allowing uh, allowing a an outcome of a specific play to dictate how you played the next two possessions. Because to me, there's no excuse for that. 
So uh, how do you, so let me ask this question. How do you coach as a, as a coach, Mike, how do yeah. you coach effort? How do you know a kid is giving their best effort or they're not? You know, you have to get to know each individual kid. I, I had a, and, and the reason I said is I had a kid uh, that averaged over 20 points a game that signed at New Mexico State that everybody, I mean, the kid hardly ever sweat. And I mean that honestly. I, I used, and coaches would, that would come to our practices and our games to recruit this kid would say, man, if, if he played hard, he could score 30 games. I went, he, he, but he was so fluid and, and everything he did was effortless. And I, he was playing hard. But that was Jamil's heart. That was not, you know, that was not what it looked like on another kid. So you've got to figure out each kid and what it looks like. Um, you know, we, I did tons of competition drills and like one-on-one drills, uh, diving on the floor, Superman drills, different things like that that were uh, character builders and they were toughness builders. And uh, those are the kinds of things I used. And in, in, in you could gauge what they were like. Uh, off of how hard they fought for the ball and wouldn't let them. I mean, we had kids would lock up with the ball on that Superman drill for four and five minutes before somebody could finally take it. And they would just leave. Ex- I mean, they would be done, wasted for the practice uh, because they, it was like a wrestling match for the ball. Those kinds of things, I think you you build what I was looking for. Did you um, ever have practices like I was discussing earlier where you just sat down and talked? You didn't even take the balls off the cart? And you just sat down and talked as a team. We did a lot of uh, we we did a lot of talking. We did a lot of team building stuff. Uh, we did things even as simple as uh, and we, you know, we had some we had some really hard times. Don't get me wrong, but we had times where we showed up one day and I had uh, intentionally scheduled a week between a set of games. I'd re- rearrange the schedule to have towards the end of the year to give them a little little uh, time to get some their legs back under them because it's so demanding. Uh, that they showed up and we everybody went bowling, and we I just we just and it was just fun. There was no there was no talk about basketball. There's no anything. We just it, so we did different things like that. We we had tons of classroom time, uh, what we called classroom time, where we were sitting and not just going over film and stuff like that, but uh, talking about the way. The one thing I like to show was uh, like when we're if we were looking at film was to how the, the teammate. We played tons of help defense. We weren't relying just on athleticism. And how your teammate bailed you out, and I don't mean bailed you out to point out that you let a player get, go by you, but that your teammate, you could trust him, he's there. Uh, those are the kinds of confidences that we tried to build. Instead of maybe an individual, the confidence in the in, in the guy next to you, uh, extremely important the way we the, in the way that we played. So what you're so what you're saying, Mike, is the mindset part, as I'm sharing today, for you is a big big piece of the success that you had, and you worked on that quite a bit. It's, I think it's I think it's crucial. You can be as skilled as you want and, and those types of things, and that'll carry you so far. There's no question about that. Uh, but there'll be time when you're playing against somebody just as skilled, a uh, team that's just as skilled, uh, just as athletic. Uh, and a lot of times what the difference maker is is, is that mentality uh, that, that that team has. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for calling in. Great comments this morning. Thank you for listening. I know it's early on a snowy Sunday morning here in Kansas City, but thank you so much. Great, great, great points you brought up, and hopefully some people will, will learn from what you said. I appreciate it. Thank you, Doctor. Have a good day. You too. All right, that frees up our lines here. Our number is 913 I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Here's my topic this morning. How do you coach mindsets? What is the type of mindset you want your athletes to have when you're coaching them? As a coach... You have to be 
a psychologist. You have you may not have the PhD after your name, but you have to be a psychologist. You have to get to know what turns on or turns off your athletes. You have to know which guys will perform better, which young ladies will perform better in certain situations when the pressure's on, who perform better when the pressure's off. And it's your job as a coach to learn these things. All right. I want to get some more calls in there. I want to find out from you as a coach, how do you, and I'd like to hear from someone who coaches girls as well as boys, young women or young men. How do you coach the mental part? What do you say to them? What do you teach them? What do you try to get them to understand? How do you work with the mental part? And how important for you as a coach is the mental part of sport? Our number is 913-3810-810. We've got a wide open phone board now. Now's your chance to call in 913-3810-810. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. On our 17th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB, and we're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show here in Sports Radio 810 WHB. This is the Sports Psychology Hour, and this is my 17th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB, my 27th consecutive year on radio here in Kansas City. I would like to say our show is one of the best-kept secrets in town. As many people don't know we're here because it's on so early on Sunday, so tell your friends about us and let them know that our shows are podcasted so they can hear them always think we have a lot of good information people can pick up on, and you can hear the podcast here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Go to the uh, podcast page, click on Additional Programming, and you'll find my name, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. You can also get them on my website, winnersunlimited.com, and listen to the podcast there. And today's topic, we've had some great, a couple great calls so far, and well, let's get some more calls in here, is about this. I'm talking about coaching mindsets. How do you coach the mental part of sport? As a coach, what do you do to coach your athletes in the mental part? How much time do you spend working with your athletes on their attitude, on their focus, on their demeanor? What do you say to them? What do you do with them? How do you teach them? How do you get them to learn how to be mentally strong? Our number is 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. We've had a couple of great calls so far. I'd like to hear from you and tell us what you do to coach your kids with their confidence. You know, and I'd like to hear I'd like to hear from some that someone who coaches young ladies. There's a difference between coaching boys and coaching girls. Some girls are mentally tougher than boys. I found that out to be very true. Everybody's different, and everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. But if you coach girls, how do you get them to be on the same page? Coach boys, what what are the difference? Maybe you coach both, boys and girls. I don't care if the sport, soccer, baseball, softball, basketball, cross-country, tennis, swimming, golf, I, it, it doesn't matter. 
I think you have to understand your athletes individually. And you have to take time mentally to figure out what makes them tick, what they're scared of, what their fears are, and how you as a coach can help them get through that. That See, one of the key things I have found is that the great coaches, and I've been around a lot of great coaches, will take the time to get to know their athletes as people. They want to know how they got there, what their psychological makeup is, what their goals are, what motivates them, how they accomplish what they want, why they're doing what they're doing. And I have found throughout the years that the really top-notch coaches also themselves have learned about failure. They have oftentimes failed. They have oftentimes screwed up. And they have had to learn themselves how to deal with it. You know, there's always been a, a belief in baseball that the great managers are not the star players. Because the philosophy has been, and I've talked to many, many baseball people about this for years, the star players didn't know what it was like to sit on the end of the bench. They didn't know what it was like to not play. Because they were always out there. They were just better than everybody else, so they always got to play more. So for them, sometimes coaching guys and motivating guys who had to sit all the time was a difficult thing to do. And I've had many talks with some, some very prominent athletes played for the Royals over the years I worked with them. And a lot of them have told me, you know, Doc, I don't want to coach. I don't want to manage. Because, quite frankly, I get frustrated with guys who don't put out the effort. Now, one of the reasons they get frustrated with it is because their careers were so good because they knew what it was like to do that. One of my good friends is John Wathen, Royals manager, player, member of the organization for over 40 years. And Duke was the manager in 1990 when I got my first opportunity to be the team psychologist with the Royals. One of the best people I've ever met. And John Wathen understood what it was like to be sitting on the bench because he was a role player. He, he did everything for the Royals. You know, he was a catcher. He had the Royals stolen base record for a catcher for years. That got broken a few years ago. You know, he was on the World Series teams. He, he, was, he was on the playoff teams. And then he became the manager of a bunch of guys he played with. And quite frankly, Duke was a really good manager, in my opinion. He's a good man. He's a good family man. He's a good person. And he understood what it was like to sit at the end of the bench. We had many talks about players who weren't playing. And he would take the time to sit and talk with them and try to get to know them better. That, to me, is what a good manager is a good coach is, somebody who takes the time to get to know their players. All right, so I want to find out from you. We've had a wide-open phone board here for a while. Let's get some calls in here. I want to hear from you. How do you coach the mental part of sport? As a manager, as a coach, as a leader, how do you coach the athletes you work with to be mentally stronger? What do you do? What do you say to them? How do you work with them on it? Our phone number is 913 3810 810 
I don't care if he coached boys or girls, but I'd like to hear from someone who coaches girls. We've heard from a couple guys who coach men, coach boys. How do you coach girls on this? How do you coach emotion? How do you coach failure? How do you coach success? As a coach, do you take the time to sit down? I don't care if it's a group of 10-year-olds. Do you take the time to sit down and talk to them in a group at a practice one day? You don't take out the bats, the balls, the cleats, and you say, you know what, guys, today we're just going to talk. You get in a group, get in a circle, and talk about, let's talk about having fun. Are you guys having fun? Are you enjoying this? When you're having fun, why are you having fun? When you're screwing up, how do you feel about it? Obviously, as a psychologist, I listen to people and I talk to people about these things in my office and in, in the team's sessions that I go work with teams on. But what do you do as a, you know, if you are a coach, you have to be an amateur psychologist to a certain degree. All right, let's get some calls in here. Our number is 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. If you are a coach, what do you do when you have some athletes on your team who you can tell are having a confidence problem, have a negative attitude, aren't focused, they don't seem happy? What do you do? Do you ignore them? Do you just, just don't do anything about it? Do you try to talk to them? Do you try to talk to their parents? Do you want to find out what's going on? What do you do? 913-3810-810 is our number. Like I said, we haven't had a call in here so far in this segment. So let's get some calls in here. We normally get loaded up the last few minutes of the show. When you have an athlete, and everybody you coaches has one of these athletes, they come to practice, and you can tell they're not in a positive mood. They're down in the dumps. They're not happy. You can tell. So what do you do? Do you ignore it? You just don't, you don't want to get into it. It's none of my business. Or do you try to get to say things to them and talk to them about it? The mental part of sport in the end is the difference, in my opinion, because if you're confident, you're going to be ready to deal with negativity. You're going to be ready to deal with failure. You're not going to be scared of it. You're going to thrive on it. You're going to grow from it. You're going to learn from it. If you're not confident, that will hold you back. As I said, our number is 913-3810-810. Let's go to a guy with a great name, Andrew. Great name, sir. How are uh, you this morning? You, sir. How's it going this morning? Good. Get your thoughts on what I'm talking about. The, um, you hit the nail on the head is making sure the girls are having fun. And that's I coach 10-year competitive softball. And, you know, I've had the girls for now four seasons. And that's one of the biggest things that I've always made priority, that the girls are having fun. But I also want to be able to compete. And whenever the the, the parents have to do their part, too, when it comes to competitive softball. I mean, the, when you're playing competitive softball, the practice does not end when practice is over during the week. How do you coach? Let me ask this question. How do you coach them on having fun? Um, work them in groups. Um, we do team things together. 
get bonding going so they're they become actual friends and and not just teammates uh like what do, what do you do give us an example what you do uh we do uh barbecues together we take them um like between games we all try to go eat together somewhere as a, and let them mesh and be, let them let them become a group of their own and let them become good friends because you know once you become good friends you tend to trust that person better so when you're on the field and say you're the starting pitcher and you you learn to trust the girls that are playing behind you you know, you, you don't go out there and you feel like you have to strike out every player because you, you you get you got back behind you. You're not the only person out there playing ball. So when you have a young lady, Andrew, who's not doing well, how do you try to get her out of that mentally? Um, I, I'll call a timeout. I'll go out and talk to them. And 90% of the time, whenever I go out and talk to them, I'll say very, a very little bit about what they're doing wrong. I'll tell them what they're doing wrong, but I'll always end it with something totally off the wall, like popsicles or just something that has nothing to do with the sport. Get them to laugh. And then once they get that downside out of their mind, you tend to see things change. You see what? Yeah. Go ahead. What were you saying? When, when you said you get the downside out of their mind, we lost you there. Well, what happens? The uh, I just always try to, you know, it's okay to go out and hit them with a negative, but you always want to try to leave them with a positive. Because if you leave somebody with a negative thought in their mind, they're going to be negative the whole time. So... You know, I might have a pitcher out there struggling, and she cannot hit her, the strike zone for anything. And I might go out there and just ask her a complete question off the wall that's not even has anything to do with softball. Just ask her, you know, how's your dog doing? And she always looks at me funny. I think that's a great thing to do because it gets her mind off of that. And it'll 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 change the the perspective of where exactly. she's at. Exactly. A lot of sport, a lot of youth sports is all in the mind, you know. And and, and the um, the extra work that goes into it. I mean, nowadays there's there's girls that are 12 years old are signing on with D1 colleges in softball. Yeah, and it's ridiculous to be doing great. that. It's it's ridiculous to have kids at 12 doing that. Exactly. I, I think that's just ridiculous. Listen, Andrew, thank you for your call, sir. Appreciate yep. it. Good luck coaching. I appreciate you your sharing your Thank thoughts you. with us. All right, let's go next to Chris. Chris, good morning. How are you? Hey, Andy, this is Chris from UMKC. How are you, buddy? Good. How are you doing? Doing well. I'm, I'm, you uh, know a little bit about coaching, ladies, since you coach the women's soccer team there. This is Chris Sissel. Yep. So, yeah, I've been listening. I'm, I'm on a recruiting trip, and I'm driving in the car just uh, and listening and kept thinking I was going to call in and talk to you about this because this is something that's uh, – been very important to us and very important with our team and our program and and i want to let me let me interject something because because i know you and i've spent time with your team in the past uh 
you are, and, and I'm not saying this to be nice because I don't have to be nice to you, <laughs> but you're a good man and you care deeply about the girls you coach, the young ladies you coach. You put a tremendous amount of passion in it. You've got a number. You How many kids do you have? 15? How many kids do you have of your own? You've got so many kids I don't even know. <laughs> I've, got, I've got four kids of my own, yeah. Yeah, and, they, and they're all they're all good kids. They all play. I know you're, you're, one son plays on UMKC's men's team. You've got another son playing in high school. You've, you, your kids play soccer. But you have a tremendous amount of passion with what you do, Chris, and you care about the girls. So we've got about three minutes here before we've got to finish up. So tell us what you want to share with us. Well, I mean, I just, you know, I was thinking about it, like, you know, we've got a good team, a good program, and like I said, I, I really love the girls, really love the team, and we, we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun at UMKC, but we've, you know, we've had a, we've had a tough patch in the last couple of years from a competitive standpoint where we've, we've uh, you know, we've been in the championship game, um, you know, of the WAC. We're in the Western Athletic Conference, and we've made it to the championship game three out of the last four years, um, and then in the, in the other year, we lost in the semifinal, um, and we've so really, four out of the last five years, you should, uh, you could say, uh, we've lost to Seattle, and the, uh, you know, has, has Seattle has ended our season. Three in the championship game and one in the semifinal. Um, this past fall, we were undefeated, you know, regular season conference champions, and then we met up with Seattle in the tournament, and you know, and we lost one to nothing after defeating them uh, three to nothing in the regular season. So I, it has been kind of a you know, to, to go with your theme for the day, it's been kind of a, a mental thing and kind of a mental block. I don't think it has anything to do with the technical or the tactical side, um, you know, or the competitive spirit. It's just kind of been um, just one of those things with, you know, Seattle's just kind of had our number. So, how did, um, so, 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 Chris, in a nutshell, then, how do you coach the mental part of this for these young ladies? We've got about 30 well, seconds think, left yeah, here for I, you. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I need to get better at. I think that's one of the things that we have, you know, really worked on and really focused on in the last several years. I think uh, earlier in my career, it was all, you know, focusing on, you know, the technical side, the tactical side and, you know, and building the relationships and building the rapport um, with the with the girls and with the team. And, and I thought, you know, with having that kind of rapport and relationship that that would help, you know, with the mental side. But I think now we realize that we need to do a little bit more with the mental side, maybe to help us get over these things. Cause we, I think we feel like um, that we maybe have some kind of maybe mental block, you know, with, uh, you know, with getting into the championship games. Um, Cause we've won regular season championships, but we haven't been able to, to win a conference uh, tournament championship yet, even though we've, you know, been to the conference tournament championship game, uh, three times in the last four years, and we've, you know, in that other year we we lost in the semifinal. So we've been very, very competitive. We've had a very competitive side, very competitive team. Uh, we just have not, uh, you know, and I, and we've put a lot of emphasis on that too. I think we've put a lot of stress and pressure on ourselves to to win what we refer to as the double. Uh, we want to win the regular season championship and the conference tournament championship, and that's our goal every year. That's what we strive for. But the you know, but but in the end, it's going to come down to, and we're going to, have to wrap it up because we're running out of time. But it comes down to the mindset part and the belief in the conference, yeah. and that's the thing you've the got to keep right working. now. I don't think it. I think we've got the, you know, I, I think we've got the players. I think we've got the ability. We've we've got the uh, the technical and the tactical side. When I mean, we're ready, we're ready to compete. We're ready to do it. I think it is the mindset now. That is the is the missing piece to get us to uh, to the part where we can, 
you know, where we can consistently win a uh, championship. Well, Chris, so, thanks uh, for calling in, my friend. i got to let you go. Hey, give me, give me a call when you get back from recruiting. Let's get together, okay? I will. All right. All right. Thanks, Chris Sissel, thanks for calling in. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Great show today. We talked about how you coach mindsets. And if you'd like to hear the show, it's podcasted here at Sports Radio 10 WHB. It's podcasted on my website, winnersunlimited.com. Send me an email at my website, drj at winnersunlimited.com. Follow me on Twitter at DRJ Sports Psych. The shows are podcasted there. And you can get a hold of me in my office at 816-561-5556. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have a great week. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 10, WHB.